Up next on the On The Whistle AFCON Daily Digest, we're looking at Group E. Headlined by the holders and favorites, Algeria are joined by Sierra Leone side making their return to the AFCON after a 25-year hiatus. Equatorial Guinea made the semi-finals in 2015, the last time they qualified, but they'll be hard put to get out of a group rounded off by an Ivory Coast side using quality and chaos in equal measure. If you want to get in touch, we can be found at OTW underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram and on the Whistle podcast on Facebook, YouTube and wherever you get your pod. First up, I was joined by Maher Mazahi, who came on the podcast to talk unbeaten runs and a continental legacy that Algeria could leave behind if the Desert Foxes win back-to-back AFCONs. Yeah, I think you'll have probably have to put them up there with, you know, the Cameroon side that went back-to-back in 2000, 2002. If they qualified to the World Cup, maybe even the Egypt 3 P team, um, you know, Ghana also repeated in 63, 65. These are all the great teams that sort of repeat, managed to repeat that the continental title, which is a very, very difficult thing to do, especially in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you'd have to put them right up there because there's really no contesting uh, what they've done on the pitch. I mean, besides winning the Cup of Nations in 2019, they've also, uh, as you mentioned, some counts say 33 matches unbeaten, some say 32, 33. There's a little bit of a dispute because one of the matches was against uh, Qatar, where Algeria weren't really fielding their A side. And it wasn't really in a FIFA window, but it was the coach and there were a few starters from the national team. Uh, But regardless, as you said, if they're going to break the streak, they're going to have to do it at the African Cup of Nations. They've set the continental record for unbeaten matches. They've won the Cup of Nations and they've been playing really, really good football, beating the legs of Colombia, uh, drawing with Mexico along the way. So uh, for me, you'd have to put them right up there as maybe top three to five uh, African side ever. Mm -hmm. I mean... Just, I just want to go back quite, quite far to, to 2018. Um, you know, Algeria had scraped into the tournament, um, had really been struggling, kind of didn't have a great 2017 uh, Cup of Nations, didn't get to the 2018 World Cup. And now you've gone to kind of almost not quite entirely coming from nowhere, but winning the AFCON. And now I've gone on this incredible run, kind of coinciding with Jamal Belmadi coming in. Kind of how important has he been? And what, what's, what's caused that incredible turnaround? He's been absolutely essential. He is the reason why we are where we are today. Um, for me, he's the best African coach currently, with all due respect to Pizzo Masamane, with all due respect to uh, uh, Walid Regragi, who's a very good Moroccan coach as well. Um, Lamine Ndiaye. There's a lot of great African coaches. I think Belmadi is the best of them. Not only is he the most qualified with his uh, uh, UEFA Pro license, He's only lost two matches out of his last 70. So he's lost one match with Algeria. He's on this incredible run right now. But he even won the uh, Qatari League with El Duhel unbeaten before he came to Algeria. So he's been just nonstop excellent. Uh, he's young enough where he sort of relates to the players, and that makes him a really good man manager where he can motivate them and, and relate to them. And, you know, he's French-Algerian, like a lot of players in, in this side are as well. He speaks English, French, and Arabic, so he can speak to everybody. He's a great communicator. Um, he protects his players from the media, from the press. But also, he's a really good tactician. Um, the way he managed to sort of nullify the threats of uh, Senegal and Nigeria uh, especially in the knockout rounds of the 2019 Cup of Nations was incredible. And, and many Nigerian journalists told this to me uh, following the match when he spoke at the post-match press conference. And he said, you know, Nigeria are fantastic players. We knew their threats were going to come from Ahmed Musa and Samuel Chukwesi on the wings. And their center backs are really good, but they're a little bit slow, he said. So the idea was to run at them and sort of trouble them that way. And, and I remember Nigerian journalists looking at me like, that's a perfect scouting report, you know, and, and he's done this so many different times where he's actually went and he's predicted the opposition starting lineup. He does his homework. He's, he's just really, I really think he could be one of the first African coaches to be coaching in like a European champions league in the future. So uh, all the merit comes back to him. Really. He's the main reason why we're here because the difference between this Algeria side and the Algeria side of 2017 on paper, isn't really big. They're pretty much the same player. 70 to 80% of the national team is the same. The difference comes in coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think watching the 2019 AFCON, that that was what stuck out from Algeria is just the incredible balance of the squad. You know, you have the superstars up front, but just a remarkably well-balanced side. You know, Algeria at the moment are playing in the, the FIFA Arab Cup and have gotten to the final. Obviously, it's not, you know, the Algerian team, but there's a lot of guys playing there from both North Africa and um, the Middle East. How... How has that played into the preparations of the AFRICON and how important is, is the Arab Cup for you guys? 
Yeah, so Coach Jamal Bamari spoke about the tournament before it started, saying that it would be a good opportunity for uh, several of his starters to keep fit prior to the African Cup of Nations because a lot of these Middle East, North African leagues are going to take a break now uh, in December uh, for the FIFA Arab Cup. And he didn't want these players to go into the AFCON uh, not competitive or not fit. So players like the goalkeeper race and Bolhi, like the defender Jamal Ben Amri, uh, winger Yusuf Bilali, or even striker Badr Bounajah, they could all start for Algeria at different times. Uh, so for that obviously serves a primary purpose, just staying fit. Uh, a secondary purpose is just basically building on the success. And they've managed to do that. They've managed to keep this momentum and this unbeaten streak going, even if these matches don't necessarily count as official matches for the unbeaten streak. Uh, they've managed to upkeep a sort of enthusiasm. People have really been, got, they've gotten invested into this tournament. They've been watching. Uh, they feel real emotions. Uh, so honestly, it's been, it's been really good for the Algerian national team. I didn't anticipate it being, uh, as important as it's turned out being, but I think that this could really provide a nice boost for the Algerian national team heading into that pre-camp uh, preparation period in, in the, at the end of December, uh, early January, uh, going to Cameroon. Mm -hmm. I mean, Algeria have obviously been on this incredible run, but but during the World Cup qualifiers, it wasn't smooth running entirely. Obviously, you, you kind of only very narrowly got ahead of a very good Burkina Faso side, and they've gotten that all-important third goal in, in the last game. They would have knocked you out. Um, if it, if there are weaknesses to this squad and to this team, where where are they coming from in terms of you know opposition teams? Where are they looking at getting at you guys? Yeah, so there aren't very many weaknesses. I'll start mm -hmm. with that. And Burkina Faso, honestly, they do deserve a lot of credit because they really did push Algeria, a very good Algeria side, uh, to the brink. Um, I would say that there can be uh, tendencies to. Um, to concede goals depending on the formations that is used depending on the defenders that are being used so sometimes uh, like, like throughout the 2019 cup of nations tournament jamal Bamadi played with a 4-3-3 mm -hmm. and he didn't really budge at all and it was practically the same 11 except for the third match of the group stages when they played against tanzania they were already qualified so he just wanted to uh, switch things up but other than that it was a 4-3-3 that was a perfectly balanced system but he's also experimented with a 4-4-2 in qualifying and that has helped in some ways because we've managed to score even more goals. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we've also conceded some goals. So if he manages to play with that system at the upcoming Cup of Nations, I think they can be susceptible to counter-attacking goals. That's how most of the teams have scored against Algeria. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe sometimes it can be a lack of concentration from some of the central defenders who are not as good as our attacking players, like uh, Mares and Beleli and Bunajah and Slimani. Mm -hmm. But... Um, so it can either be concentration errors or gain can on the counterattack when playing this, a, a specific system, the 4-4-2. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I suppose going into it, that is one of the big questions tactically, isn't it? Is can Bunej and Slimani play up front together? And if they do, how much do you lose um, kind of at the back? Because obviously Algeria's strength is that unbelievable amount of quality you have both up out wide and up top, you know. People from the UK will be saying kind of even side Ben Rama is struggling to get into this this squad because Bilali is so good. Mara is playing so unbelievably well. So how would you personally like to see the kind of side line up when you play that first match against Sierra Leone? Honestly, I think it depends on the opposition. So I think the coach is going to sit, think and say Sierra Leone is probably logically they probably might sit back against a side like Algeria. Their mm -hmm. debutants is going to be the first half for Africa Cup of Nations. You think they try to, especially with this format of 24 teams, if you draw a few matches, you have a decent chance of maybe placing the third place and, and maybe yeah. qualifying to the knockout stages. So I think the coach is going to see that and he's going to say, okay, let's play this match with a 4-4-2. We need to score goals. Uh, I'm not too scared of Sierra Leone's counter-attacking game. Uh, let's play Bune Jesse, Manny, Beleli, and Mahrez, who Beleli especially, I have to give him a shout-out because um, many people that follow European football or maybe some that follow African football might not be too familiar with him because mm -hmm. he's played in Tunisia and Qatar, but this player is, he's so good. He's fantastic. And for one reason or another, it hasn't really worked out for him in Europe. Um, he had, he was suspended for cocaine consumption in 2015. Um, he had some very poor career advice uh, from his father, who was his agent. But I'm telling you when Algeria plays, he plays on one wing, Mara's on the other. And a lot of the times he outplays Mara's. He's that good. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, yeah, I think it, depending on the opposition, that will probably dictate what kind of tactical system the coach uses. Excited against, like Sierra Leone, I think he'll play a 4-4-2. But if we play the Ivory Coast, I think he might revert back to that comfortable 4-3-3, which is a little more balanced. And I think uh, that's the, the system we'll use against the, the quote-unquote bigger African sites. Mm -hmm.
And and I mean, yeah. So look, looking at your group, you have you know Sierra Leone, Ivory Coast, and Equatorial Guinea. You know, you know, on, on paper, one of the kind of easier groups in terms of getting out of it. Obviously, Ivory Coast are you know a great team, and you know, no team in Africa should be underestimated, particularly at the Afcon. Um, how confident are you, kind of coming through this group, and essentially, how how confident are you that Algeria will do it again and and get that second that second title? Yeah, so coming out of the group, extremely confident. I would bet my house on it. Um, again, simply because of the format. You know, two two teams go through, and a lot of third best place uh, teams go through as well. So um, when you look at Equatorial Guinea, Sierra Leone, Equatorial Guinea actually had a very decent qualifying uh, yeah. campaign. They they pushed Tunisia to the brink as well, um, and they they upset. I think a, a lot a lot of people were not anticipating to do as well as they did. They're sort of regaining that form that they found in 2015, in a sense. Mm -hmm. And a lot of their players have been sort of, they have, have a, a, a nice crux of players that they've been relying on um, since then. Um, but again, I'm very, very confident. I would probably bet my house on us making it to the second round. Uh, winning the group or not, that's that's another issue. Uh, the Ivory Coast are going to be, I think, very motivated, very hungry. Um, they obviously did not make it to the next round of World Cup qualifying. And... Uh, I do believe in the coach, Petrus Bonal, I think he's a good coach. Uh, he sort of lamented the fact that only five African, African teams will be qualifying to the 2022 World Cup. Mm -hmm. um, but on paper, I think the Ivory Coast are actually better than Algeria. Um, Attacking-wise, I think Algeria better. But if you look at the overall balance of the squad, the Ivory Coast are, probably have a top three team. Mm -hmm. Put them up there with Senegal, maybe maybe Nigeria. Mm -hmm. um, and Algeria probably just behind them. So um, I think going to the next round, sure. The harder thing will be repeating. Algeria have never won, or sorry, prior to, I think no, no North, if I'm not mistaken, sorry, it's no team from the Maghreb has won a tournament outside of uh, North Africa, I believe. Really? So if I'm not mistaken, yeah. So, so going to Cameroon will be difficult and, and winning it there. Um, Cameroon are very tough at home. They've had a, a great historic record. Um, I don't know. I, I'm a little less curious about that, but honestly, I think the way the coach is approaching this tournament and the way the players are approaching this tournament, it honestly isn't a priority to repeat. It would be great. They will be pushing for that. But for them, the main objective right now is qualifying for the next round of the World okay. Cup. So I think they'll have an eye on that as well. Yeah. I think if you offer them like win this uh, uh, repeat and win another African Cup of Nations or qualify to the World Cup, I think they'll obviously take the, the World Cup eyes, eyes shut. Yeah. So I think that's probably the priority for this Algerian national team at the moment. Being able to prioritize the World Cup over the Africa Cup of Nations, that must be a nice feeling. Meanwhile, Sierra Leone qualified for the tournament for the first time since 1996, before I was even born. So I was excited to hear the thoughts of Magdalene Kone on what it means for the Leon Stars finally to be back on this hallowed turf. It feels good and great to be back. It's been a wonderful moment for Sierra Leoneans and since the referee sounds the final whistle, in Guinea, where um, Sierra Leone played a decisive match against Benin, and we saw the one-goal victory, um, the goal scored by Kai Kamara through the penalty spot. We 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 saw the the you know the excitement from fans, Sierra Leoneans living in Guinea and Sierra Leoneans living in Sierra Leone. They were so excited. The team was welcome like heroes, like like a team that has already won the trophy. This is just the qualification, but they were welcome like heroes. So you can see or you can sense how important this was to return into the continent's biggest tournament once again. After two decades of missing the opportunity, the team is back and Sierra Leoneans are very much happy to see their boys in the tournament again. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's been an ex exciting ride. I mean, you came through quite a quite a difficult group in, in qualification, you know, beating out um, Benin to qualify only on goal difference. But obviously you had the very famous um, two draws against Nigeria, who are also in your group, including that amazing 4-4 com uh, comeback where you're down 4-0 and came back to draw against the Super Eagles. You know, what, what has made this Sierra Leone team um, successful as opposed to ones in the past? How, how have you been able to qualify for this tournament? I think Nigeria... Uh, Nigeria gifted us the opportunity from the draw we had with them in, back in Nigeria, the four-all draw. That match was um, the, the inspiration for Sierra Leone mm. because we, we are like the underdogs in that group. 
we we add nothing to to be counted for we don't have like the chance to go but going to nigeria um you know playing for a draw with, with a huge number of goals, it was very good. The comeback was very good. And that was the point. We know that um, this particular tournament can be our time. But then there was another opportunity in free time which we failed to utilize. That was the, 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 the um, return leg match with Nigeria. But again, we, we got another, um, another goal as to go with them. And then we started counting our points. But facing Lesotho, and Benin was very much decisive because we, we knew that those matches, either we win both of them or we can just win one and then we can go through, especially after Benin um, lose to Nigeria. So the, the Sigalian team was just like um, playing for what we could play for because there was no, um, the, there was no uh, like vision of what we wanted to do, but but mm. the boys did their best because this is a team John Kista as a manager or as a coach is putting together, not only for this tournament, but for the future. That is why you can see so much young talent in the squad. So the, the plan was we can go now or we just plan for the next tournament, but we succeeded immediately after Nigeria um, defeated Benin. That was, what, that was why I said, Nigeria gifted us the opportunity because they were like the the you know they were like the 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 people who paved the way for us to be in this tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And then you know, getting that all important win against Benin, like you mentioned, it's amazing. I mean, you guys have the the kind of unique problem alongside Gambia and and, and the Comores, where before the the Afcon qualifiers even started, you were you already had to play a World Cup qualifier and were knocked out by Liberia. And so that's meant that you haven't played any competitive matches, you know, since June, since the AFCON qualifiers. How has that impacted the, the Sierra Leone preparation for the tournament? And, and why in the, you know, period between then and now, have, have you only been able to play just two friendlies uh, in that time? We've played four friendlies oh, since that time. We've, we've played four friendlies and um, we've played Morocco, the Gambia, South Sudan, and Comoros. So uh, though you cannot count the Morocco match because we did play the Morocco um, on the 23 side, like the, mm. the, the, the home base team for Morocco. Yeah, but it was it was a good test for us. In fact, that was the match Stephen Coca actually played for Sierra Leone before mm. even he was granted um, the permit from FIFA to play for Sierra Leone. So it was tested in that match. And the whole nation was behind it because they wanted to see what it could offer to the team. So with those four friendly matches, they weren't enough. Like you said, other countries like in our group, you can see that Algeria are now the Arab world champions because mm -hmm. they've been so competitive. They are playing in the World Cup qualification and other competitions. Same thing for the Ivorians and all. But for Sierra Leone, it's been a difficult journey for us because we are only limited to the African Cup of Nations. And so many teams are busy and asking them to play friendly was very much difficult, but the four nations accepted and we played them. Though we didn't have like positive result because out of those four friendlies, we only won um, one. That was the match against Gambia. And uh, we lose to Morocco and also lose to Comoros and had a draw with South Sudan. So it was not a good result for the team, but it was a good, um, opportunity for them to keep fit, for them to keep testing the boys. Because after the qualification, then we saw the, you know, lots of players we never knew about. We never knew about mm. some players, but after the qualification, we saw names coming up that they are Sierra Leoneans, they are playing professional football, they want to represent their country. So it was good to test all of those player, mm. players. Yeah, I mean, I, you alluded to it earlier, but, you know, the big news coming into the tournament, obviously, is that, you know, um, some players have been approved to, to change their allegiances and, and be able to play for Sierra Leone, you know, uh, Jonathan Morse, Issa Callan, and, and the big one, Stephen Cocker, who's, you know, obviously, he's, he's played for England and scored for England. Um, so how, how big is that for these guys to, you know, and especially someone of Cocker's background and his pedigree, 
to be able to link up with the squad and join with them and how excited are the fans to to kind of see them play the the fans are delighted to see these players in fact since the moment Stephen Cook had declared because he actually declared that he wants to represent his country mm-hmm. and the the, the the entire Sierra Leone was happy about it because Sierra Leone has been you know talking to players before players who have played in the Premier League in other big um um, leagues in the world, but they always turn the country down. So for a player like Steven Cocker to decide to play for his country, it was a big news for Sierra Leone. And the people appreciated him. They always want to see him in the green, white, and blue. They always want to see him. You know, even some people are suggesting that he deserved to, to lead the team. But then again, we have our leaders. So you 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 can see how much they appreciate his effort. Um, on, it's unfortunate for Mose, who has, who was also, um, you know, de- declared that he wants to play for Sierra Leone and has the opportunity after FIFA accepted, but is being um, affected by injury. So he won't be playing in this tournament, according to what we had from the FA and from the list of 40 uh, man provisional squad, it wasn't included. So the the the, the likes of Isaac Alon, it was good. Remember um, Kumbo, where Isaac Alon is playing now, another Sierra Leonean there, Alex Bangura, but he turned down the country. Alex said he don't want to play for Sierra Leone at the moment because he wants to concentrate on club football. It was needed. The position is playing. Uh, we need someone to fill that gap in the team, but it can't play for the country now, and that was disappointing for Sierra Leone. There are lots of other Sierra Leoneans. Sierra Leone also um, lost a player to, to Denmark, Darami. He's a Sierra Leonean. He's playing for Ajax. The people were expecting him, but he turned the country down. Chaloba, the one playing for Chelsea, the, both Chaloba, um, the junior Chaloba and the, and the senior one, both of them are Sierra Leoneans, Nat and, and his brother. But they've turned down Sierra Leone, not like they turned the country down, but they haven't speaking, like um, spoken about representing Sierra Leone or not, or showing the concern people are expecting from them. It's like they are waiting for a call-up from England. But players like Stephen Cocker coming out, it was good for, for the team, good for the country, and it will be a big boost to the national team, which is experience playing for England, playing for different clubs, across the world because he has played in different leagues. Mm-hmm. So it's it's good. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, looking forward to the tournament, you know, you're in a group with Algeria, Equatorial Guinea and, and, and Ivory Coast, like you mentioned, you know, it's a really tough group. Um, what are the expectations from, from the, you know, the country on the team, you know, and how far do you think that they will go and what is the objective of the tournament? The expectation is, is yeah, it's great. People are expecting the team to do their best to to represent um, the country. Uh, for some school of thought, some pundits believe the, the the team might not be able to to um, you know get out of that group, like qualify from that point, considering the fact that the defending champions Algeria, um, you know, they are in that group, mm-hmm. Ivory Coast and Sierra Leone had a very bad record against Ivory Coast in terms of um, edge-to-edge. But considering the fact that this is football, you cannot rule someone out. So Mm -hmm. fans are expecting Sierra Leone to at least make it to probably the the, um, quarterfinal stage or the second um, round of the tournament, like the group of 16, Mm -hmm. which would be good for for a country returning back into the competition because... uh, the, 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 the last time they were in the African Cup of Nations, they couldn't make it out of the group stage. So going to the second round, so the group of 16, um, you know, mm-hmm. it will be better. Mm-hmm. It will be better. That's the expectation from the fans. But to be honest, we are looking up, like every other country, to go in there and win the tournament. Mm. Yeah. I mean, uh, just finally, you know, look, looking at the squad, there's, you know, a healthy mix of, of people based in Sierra Leone and those based abroad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a couple of the names jump out, you know, Stephen Calker, you know, uh, 
Kai, Kai Kamara, who played, uh, you know, for Norwich and Middlesbrough in England and in the U.S., um, you know, outside of those two, who, who are maybe the players that we wouldn't be familiar with, those of us who are not, you know, plugged into Sierra Leone football that we should be keeping an eye out for at the tournament? Yeah, for now, it will be hard to, to determine that because we are yet to see the list of... Um, 28-man squad, the mm. finalists. Whilst other co other countries have um, announced their 28-man squad, Sierra Leone is yet to do that. We are expecting it maybe today or tomorrow from the head coach himself. But um, I would just say there are a lot of players from the home base, the players that are playing the local Premier League in Sierra Leone. You have a huge number of them who can, uh, you know, take up the mantle to, to, mm -hmm. to, to show the world that Sierra Leone can play football. We have a player they call uh, Musa Noah Kamara, popularly known as Musa Tumbo. He's a striker. He's the top goal scorer in the Sierra Leone Premier League with nine goals. He's the most popular player in the entire Leone squad, despite um, the fact that you have players coming from England or wherever, the Stephen Coker and all. Musa Tumbo is the fans' favorite because he's playing in, in the local league and he has won the golden boots before and he's leading the golden charts again. And he's, he's one of the, the top rated strikers in the country. So Africa should look for that player. If only John Kista um, selected him in his final squad. And also you have Buya Ture, Mohamed Buya Ture. He's playing in China and he's also a forward. He's, he's one of those players who who uh, gave Nigerians, uh, the Nigerians, uh, a huge problem. Mm -hmm. It was very fantastic um, in that particular match. And we saw him making um, like two assists. So he's also one of the players they should look for. You have uh, players like Kelvin Wright, um, the Alhaji Kamara Andriano. Alhaji Kamara is another um, player they should watch for. He's a striker mm -hmm. as well. Alhaji is the only Sigalinian player now playing in a European competition. Is his team Randers? Randers are in the European Conference League. So mm -hmm. he's also one of those players they should watch for. He has scored scored heaps of goals this season. He has assist Randers to to be where they are now in Europe and also in the in the local league. So those are the players they should be watching for. In the midfield area, you have like John um, John Bankole Kamara. Bankoli Kamara is, is also one of the, the backbone of the team, a fantastic player. So, like I said, there are lots of players, but I can't mention now because we mm. are yet to see the list of 28-man squad. There certainly is plenty of talent to be had in the Leon Stars team, and we're excited to see them on the biggest stage. On to Equatorial Guinea, who previously hosted the AFCON twice, but for the first time this year qualified through their performances on the pitch. And who better to reflect on that achievement with than Alberto Edhogo Owono, former Nzalang Nacional turned journalist. Well, this is a, a big achievement for the for the national team and of course for the uh, for all the country. No, as you said before, uh, Guinea Equatorial or Equatorial Guinea um, has been uh, has hosted the, the African Cup of Nations twice. First, the first one co-hosting with with Gabon in 2012, and the second one because of the Ebola crisis. No, Morocco decided not to host this uh, African Cup of Nations and Equatorial Guinea uh, hosted it. And, uh, we arrived in 2012 to the last uh, eight and uh, in the 2015 uh, to the semi-finals. No? So uh, this is a big achievement because uh, for the first time in the history, Equatorial Guinea has uh, qualified no, in the normal process, no? qualifying in the pitch. So it's uh, very, very exciting. It's true that uh, nowadays, there are not so much uh, big players than before, okay? Uh, before, Equatorial Guinea had players that have been playing in La Liga, in the in the first division in Spain, like, I don't know, Bodipo, Benjamin Zarandona, mm -hmm. uh, Juvenal Ejogo, Ruben, uh, Epitie, Jose Epitie. But nowadays, uh, we only have one player playing in, in La Liga, but there is a, there is a local uh, coach, uh, there is a, I don't know, a structure and a good uh, play system, so uh, we are very, very happy. It's true that now the African Cup of Nations is 24 teams, so it's uh, easier, okay, or not so difficult to be in a, in a Afcon. Mm. Yeah, I, I just wanted to bring bring up on on the manager one one Micha Obiang. You know, 
I looking through his kind of history, he's he's been a part of the you know the Equatorial Guinean setup yes. for since what 2012 or something, really long time. You know, he's managed the the women's national team, the under 20s women's team, he's managed the men's under 17 and under 20, been the assistant manager, and was finally appointed in, in 2020 to be the full kind of uh full-time manager for the men's men's side. And you know, one one, you know, all, both of his first games in qualifying and you know brought the team to the AFCON. You know how well regarded is he in in Equatorial Guinea? How important is he to, to you know the success of this team? No, he's considered like la, like a local hero. Okay? Equatorial Guinea has always had um, foreign uh, managers or foreign coaches. Uh, I remember in my in my uh, when I was a, a player for the national team, we had Henri Michel, uh, for example, no. Uh, a coach that had been managing, I don't know, teams like the national team of France. So mm-hmm. um, there have been always problems with, uh, with uh, between the federation uh, and, the, and the managers. So finally, Juan Micha, he had the opportunity. Okay, there was a gap there. Uh, the national team had no manager, and and he had been, uh, he has been uh, ten years. Okay, like a, like an assistant or like a, uh, like a manager for the. For the women's team, and uh, he arrived there. He he started to win matches, and of course, he's like a local hero. No, it's not usual that the local manager uh, uh, is in the in the national team, but he's doing very very well, and he had the confidence of all the country. Mm-hmm. That's so, that's so good to hear. I mean, looking at at your performances over the last two years, you know, you had an incredibly dramatic you know, qualification for the Cup of Nations, you know, getting those, you, you know, scored two goals in the 90th plus minutes against Libya to win, you know, you that all important game against Tanzania, you know, you got that, that 90th minute winner. But then even since then in the World Cup qualifiers, you know, you had a superb, you know, qualification, you pushed Tunisia all the way, you know, only two points behind them and, and we're ahead of, you know, a, a Zambia side that has, you know, a lot of stars, people playing in the Premier League, you know, like Pats and Daka and, and others. Um, you know, so what 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 is what about this Equatorial Guinean t- team is, is makes you so good? You know, especially you're mentioning you don't have any you know big big stars. You know, what makes the team so good? I think the the, the main question is that the most of the of the players of the Equatorial Guinean national team are uh, Spanish-born players. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, their parents are from uh, from Equatorial Guinea. Like it's my my case, for example, it was. Uh, uh, also, my uh, my casuistic, okay. But uh, when you play for the national team, you have to uh, do a plus, okay. It's a extra motivation. Some players are, are in Europe or in Spain or in, in Italy playing in the second division, but play uh, international matches, okay. It's a it's a plus. The first thing that you have to uh, to know about the Quattro Guinea national team is is a squad that defends really well. Okay, it's a it's a very organized uh, team. Uh, they play all together. Everybody is doing uh, at his best. Oh, hello, Alberto. Hello. Sorry, so sorry, Alberto. You you cut out there. Could you just say that again? Sorry. Okay. Okay. Uh, the, the the first thing you you have to know is the. The, the the strength okay in the mm-hmm. in the defense uh, it's a very organized team and then in the midfield here in Spain uh, we give uh, a lot of importance okay to the midfield okay mm-hmm. and a lot of players uh, of this uh, Equatorial Guinea squads um, are born and raised in uh, in Spain so you have uh, Pepin Machin is a Monza player okay he's playing the, in the second division in Italy, in, in Serie B, is a, a very a good midfield. You will you will know him. Uh, very class, you know, a lot of a lot of quality. Mm-hmm. Then you have Fede Fede Bicoro, uh, that uh, or Janik Buila. They are playing in in Spain uh, as well. And luckily, we don't have the Perico Obiang. Okay, the Sassuolo player mm-hmm. is not available because he he has uh, an injury. He, he could not recover for this uh, for this tournament. It's a uh, it's a pity for us. We uh, we cannot uh, count with with him, but uh, you have to think that there are uh, good midfielders. And then there there is a player that is called Emilio Enzue. Emilio Enzue, mm-hmm. I'm a former Middlesbrough player. He has been playing in Mallorca, in Real Sociedad, in the in, in La Liga. Now he has no team. Okay, he's a free agent, but he has some star with the 
with the, with the national team. He always arrived on time. He scored the uh, the the goal uh, to qualify. He's always uh, ready, okay, for for any circumstance. And and I don't know. I would think that the organization um, in defense and then the quality in the midfield. No, these are the the strengths of this national team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just wanted to ask you about uh, Nsue, you know, because obviously for, for people particularly based in, in the UK watching him, we're familiar with him as, as a right back, but he's also the, you know, the top goal scorer in this team for Equatorial Guinea yes. and, and he's played in a variety of positions. When the tournament starts, where would we expect for him to be playing? What position? Yeah, but but uh, I, I think you, uh, you think he's a right back because in, in, the, in the championship and in La Liga, he used to play in that place, mm-hmm. you know, he started to play as a winger, okay, because uh, he's uh, he's speed. But uh, but then uh, he started to play in the right back. But he with the national team of playing like a like a striker, okay. Mm-hmm. He's playing uh, uh, like an like an attacker, and uh, he and uh, we have uh, as well Jose Miranda, okay. He's a Getafe player that is playing with. Uh, with the B team and then is uh, playing as well with uh, with the first team in La Liga in the first division in Spain. Mm-hmm. Jose de Miranda. We have Oscar Siafa is playing for the second team in, in Olympiacos as well. Mm-hmm. But Emilian Sue don't expect that he will play in the right back. He will play as a as a striker. And in the right back we have Carlos Acapo, no, the Cadiz player. Mm-hmm. He is playing in, in La Liga. Uh, recently he played in Santiago Bernabeu and, and has been the the only player that could. Uh, stop Vinicius Junior. Vinicius Junior is flying mm-hmm. in, in Real Madrid, but Cadiz arrived to the Santiago Bernabeu. Uh, he would uh, achieve a, a draw, okay, nil-nil, and Acapo was the, the MVP of that match. So uh, Acapo in the right back and Emilian Sue, uh, he will play like like a striker. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you, you've talked about how you know defensively solid uh, the team is, and obviously they'll have to be coming into the Africa Cup of Nations. You know, you're in a a really tough group, you know, where you're with, you know, yes. small team Sierra Leone, but then you've got Algeria and Ivory Coast, two teams that, you know, were, <laughs> are fully expected to be, you know, at, at the top end of things, you know, going into the semifinals and finals, you know, for, for, from the perspective of, of the country, what is it, what is the expectation? Obviously the last two times you were in the AFCON, you, you know, yes. did brilliantly getting to the quarterfinals and then the semifinals in, in 2015, you know, what, what are the expectations going into the tournament? No, I, I think the expectation is to to be competitive. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody is expecting to to go to the semifinals, no, like in 2015. I think that here uh, in the 24 um, teams competition, maybe if you win your 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 match against Sierra Leona, mm-hmm. you can have three points, and it's possible that you go ahead, okay, to the last 16. I think that uh, achieving this last this last 16, it would be, uh, I don't know, a big, uh, a big success for this for the Zalang Nacional. Anybody is expecting to come to win uh, to Algeria. Okay, I think Algeria is the, uh, it's the, I don't know how to say it. It's the the favorite. Okay, to mm-hmm. to win this this competition. Ivory Coast is not in in his best moment, but it's a it's a, a great squad with great players. I don't know, Nicolas Pepe. His uh, market value, uh, I think it's I don't know ten times no all the Equatorial Guinea squad. So anybody's expecting to do that, but maybe why not winning that match against Sierra Leona? That I think it's a it's a match that uh, we can win and then go ahead, no, like uh, one of the best thirds uh, uh, qualified and arriving to the last sixteen. I think that that position is a great success for the country. I had a look at transfermarket.com and the Nzalang Nacional team is actually valued close to 114th of what Arsenal paid for Nicola Pepe. But Pepe's team will have their work cut out going into their opener against Equatorial Guinea. The Ivorians come into the tournament with issues behind the scenes and potentially with no warm-up games either. I spoke to Freddy Aka about what is going on with the elephants. Uh, the situation has really changed. Uh, you know, we have a new coach, Patrice Bommel, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy come after Kamara Ibrahim, a national coach, the the, for, the former coach. Okay, he led the team after the the competition uh, we took place in Egypt. Okay, uh, the Ivorian team reached the the quarterfinal and has lost against uh, Algeria. 
Now, we are trying to, to prepare the future. The most important goal of the national team of Ivory Coast is the next uh, AFCON, okay? Which will take mm -hmm. place in Ivory Coast. You know, the organizer will be uh, Cote d'Ivoire. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think uh, to the situation we are living now, we have wonderful players, okay? But uh, the coach now, uh, is trying to prepare something for the future. Mm. They tried to qualify themselves for the, the World Cup in Qatar, but they lost the, the last game against Cameroon. Uh, it was in, in Douala, I think, uh, mm. some, something like that. Uh, now, to know really what we can do and what we, we want to reach uh, during this African Cup of Nations, it will be really difficult to say that we could be able to win it. No, I don't think it's so. I think uh, uh, Ivory Coast is now trying to prepare the future. Mm -hmm. uh, the main goal is to prepare the future, the next coming Afghan uh, in, in Cote d'Ivoire. We are, we, we are going to Cameroon to, to try to do what we can do uh, to show what we are able to, to show, but... Uh, think that they could be able to win I'm not sure I'm not sure mm -hmm. and you know talking about Patrice you know he's he's obviously was was with you when you won the, the AFCON in yes, 2015 he was, was assisted to the coach uh, Everena when mm -hmm. we won the, the cup against Ghana in 10-15 uh, uh, I think yeah yeah so so you know he's he, and he's been the assistant for Havernard for you know many years across very, many different countries Zambia Morocco you know Cote d'Ivoire is, is uh, you know in the country is there a lot of support for Patrice you know he doesn't have much experience as the head coach um and he's maybe struggled a bit since starting you know is it, is there a lot of support you know especially coming after you know a local coach is how do, how how do they regard him in in Ivory Coast really to give you my opinion, me, I was not for, for the choice of Patrice Bommel because mm -hmm. he, he didn't show anything great like a coach when he went to Morocco. There, uh, some of my friends, sport journalists said to me, Fred, I don't know how and why your country decided to choose Patrice Bommel, a coach without experiences mm -hmm. and be the, the trainer of a great team like Avery Coast. I don't know why you have, but it doesn't depend on me. Or most of the sport journalists are not agree with the choice of the Ivorian Federation. You know, we have problem now for the presidency of the Ivorian Federation. We are waiting for the vote. It will be in the month of uh, March. And I think I'm not sure if Bomeld could be continued uh, or could continue with the Ivorian national team after this uh, Afcon in in Cameroon. I think it could be it could be his first competition with Af our national team. Mm -hmm. and, and and you know oh sorry. Uh, concerning the the local coach, uh, the former was Kamara Ibrahim, and uh, the the first victory of Ivory Coast was with Yo Martial. It was in Senegal. Okay, and we want another competition with uh, Everena. Mm -hmm. And I think now we don't have so wonderful coaches. We are going to wait perhaps for Turukolo Abib, mm -hmm. who is now in Leicester. Mm -hmm. And uh, perhaps it could be the, the, the future of the, the, the national team of uh, Ivory Coast. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you mentioned that, you know, the, the federation is currently, you know, waiting to vote uh, for, for a new president. Do you think that's affected the, you know, performance and preparation of, of the Ivorian team? Uh, we, we don't really prepare very good these competitions. And mm -hmm. uh, all the country is waiting for this vote. Uh, the, the life should start after this vote. And uh, uh, it's like it transitions, okay? What we are living now from the... The situation we left, you know, the problem we have uh, with the the elections for the presidents of the Ivorian Federation, and now uh, three candidates: uh, Didier Drogba, Idris, uh, Idris Diallo Yashin, 
and uh, Sori Diabate, the president of the Ivorian League, mm-hmm. who was a member of the former uh, squad uh, of our federation. The situation is that uh, we hope, we hope the future could be bright, okay? We, we believe that it will be bright with Didier Drogba. We all hope things can change with him, like Samuel Eto mm-hmm. was elected in Cameroon. We are going to, to share this experience with the Ivorian people. It will be the best way for us to improve the level of our football. If not, things could be always really difficult for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am. I mean, uh, looking at the the you know the preparations for this after the Cup of Nations, you know, yes. obviously you, the, the team uh, Arabi, Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the team is based in Saudi Arabia, like many other teams. Um, but you've you've not been able to have any any friendly matches or preparation matches yet. Um, yes. You know, wh- why why is that? You know, why have you had to cancel and postpone those games? Uh, the sanitary problem. Normally, you know, we should play against uh, Comor. Okay. Mm-hmm. But because of the COVID, it was not possible. And I don't know why. Uh, they didn't decide to try to, to come in Africa, to prepare it in Africa. Uh, they went to Saudi where the weather, is it the same uh, like the weather in, in Cameroon? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Okay. There, the, the, the weather is more hot. And in Cameroon, we have water, we have... It's, it's totally different. I don't know why they decide to, to do this. I don't know why they didn't choose, uh, apart from Como, another African team to try to play. Mm-hmm. They will go, they will do. First, they didn't have all the players who were playing in England. Yeah. They didn't have friendly matches. And I'm, I don't know why really they, they, they chose this. They are the owner of the federation. The coach decides what you want to do with the team, and we are going to wait for the result of, of this way to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, looking looking at at the team, the, the big question is, you know, um, or the big kind of news is is that Wilfred Zaha was was selected, you know, after yeah. missing missing the the last two international breaks. Why why yeah. do you think you know first why did he re- you know refuse to come and join the the team for those two breaks and you know why is he come back now for the Africa Cup of Nations? I I, I would like to ask this question to <laughs> with why why he decide to avoid the mm-hmm. other games the most important like the games against Cameroon for the last uh, mm-hmm. games of the, the the qualification in Qatar mm-hmm. but. Uh, Wilfried Zaha has a problem with the, the trainer. He had problem with the trainer. Okay. Mm-hmm. He has reviews some of the, the games, uh, which were also really important. If he has decided to come down for the African Cup of Nations, it is his decision. But I think it's not the best way. Things should not be like that. Mm-hmm. If the national team need your help to come to fight with your friends, you can't refuse. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if the, the, the trainer has given him another opportunity to come and to play with the national team, uh, what can we do? You know, when we had the, the dream team with Colo Touré, with Yaya Touré, with Didier Drogba, all the players, all the Ivorian players wanted to, to come to, mm-hmm. to, to play for the national team. But it's not now the same, the same things. We stopped to work. Ivory Coast stopped to work. We mm-hmm. have players, but we we don't we don't really prepare our future. This is why we are suffering now so much. And Zah should know that when the the national team needs you to come to compete, you can't refuse. You can say, "I will play for this competition with yeah. another." I will refuse. No, it's it must not be so. The best way is to respect the flag of your of your country. Okay, to fight with uh, courage and determination, and to to permit your your national team to to reach the the goals. Okay, you want to to do during the competitions. Yeah, for for sure. I mean, finally, I, I wanted to talk about you know when I I remember watching the, the Ivorian team play Cameroon in in Abidjan when when you won, um, and I was really really impressed tactically by the team. You know, playing with that back five. 
um, yeah. you know, with, with Max Cornet and, and Serge Array on, on the wing back positions, you know, they were superb. You know, my question is, you know, for I saw that Willie Bolly has been, you know, has, has come out with a, with a big injury and probably will miss, miss the tournament. You know, how much will that affect how the team wants to play tactically? Will you, do you think they'll still stay with that back five or do you think they'll move to a, a back four? Okay. Uh, the games against uh, Cameroon in Avericos was one of the best of the, the trainers, you know. Mm -hmm. The guys were so wonderful, but we don't really know what was really happening after this game. We should normally be qualified for, for Qatar, okay? We have the player for, for doing this, okay? But it depends on the tactical choice of the trainers, okay? Uh, Life should be more interesting if we try to to say to the, the 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 young men, when you come to the national team, when you come, and when you decide to play for your country, you can play with uh, courage and determination. Okay. Uh, when I see the reaction of Wilfried Zar, for example, I turn to to ask my myself. How can a player, an international player, decide to refuse to play for the national team? Okay, to come to your questions, some things uh, can be really difficult. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, we will not play with uh, Willy Bolly. Okay, he is injured. I mm -hmm. think he will not uh, take part to the competition. Yeah. And behind, we have Eric Bailly, Bertrand Eric Bailly, uh, with Sangare Ibrahim of uh, PSV Eindhoven. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, we we have the squads to permit us to uh, to reach uh, the quarterfinals. Okay, to play against first we will start against Guinea Equatorial and then Sierra Leone to mm -hmm. finish with uh, Algeria. Okay, uh, the most important is not to lose at the beginning. Okay to try to win. If we don't have to have any kind of problem against Algerians, the best way is to be qualified before playing against Algeria. All, all now depends on the choice the, the trainer will, will choose. We can hope, we can say we are going to win, but all depends on the, the team we will put for this tournament. Ivory Coast have their problems, but they still possess one of the strongest squads in Cameroon. Can they fix their problems and repeat their 2015 triumph? I guess we'll see. That's all from us on the Group D Preview Podcast. If you want to keep up with what's going on in Cameroon during the tournament, make sure to give us a follow and subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you use. Goodbye for now. <laughs>